this is where the disconnect happens a lot of times. One of the biggest challenges for teachers and for coaches is that we're asking them to invest heavily in the root when they may never and probably will never see the full benefit of the fruit of that investment. Welcome to the Generation Youth Podcast, where we ignite the future by empowering our youth. I'm James McLam, your host, founder, and CEO of Generation Youth, and the author of the best-selling book, Tomorrow's Youth. Whether you're a parent, an educator, youth pastor, or coach, join us as we dive into the pressing issues facing our young people today. Together, we'll unlock the strategies, insights, and inspiration to elevate and equip our next generation. Stay with us. And let's make a difference, one youth at a time. Chad, welcome to the Generation Youth Podcast. Thank you for agreeing to be my guest. I appreciate your time today. James, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm excited for the conversation. You and I have had some great conversations, and so no doubt this will be a good one as well. Well, I, I've had an opportunity to get to know you through our mutual friend, Tammy, and and but our audience, this may be their first time being exposed to you. So, Chad, if you wouldn't mind, introduce yourself to the Generation Youth uh, community. Yeah, I appreciate that. So, my story starts back uh, growing up, played multiple sports uh, growing up, uh, kind of settled into soccer, uh, played that in high school, and then I uh, was fortunate to play a couple of years at a, a D3 school in Southern California, Cal Lutheran University. And, and I knew at an early age that I wanted to work with high level athletes um, on the mental side and on leadership. And so uh, that took me down an interesting path. I, I ended up studying psychology in college. Uh, graduated uh, with my degree in psychology. And at the time, looking at sports psychology, uh, there wasn't, it was newer field. This was back in the early 90s. And there wasn't, most of the sports psychology fields were being in the uh, kinesiology department or in physical education, mm -hmm. which is not really where they belong. Um, I found a small school in San Diego called University of Humanistic Studies. And it was uh, at that time, I just got married and two weeks later moved to San Diego to pursue this graduate degree. We knew nobody. We had no jobs. We had one car. Um, my wife was finishing up her degree at San Diego State. And it was a two-year program to get a degree in um, marriage and family or social work and with an emphasis in sports psychology. It was really a hybrid um, event and a year and a half. That's a varied degree. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and a year and a half into the two-year program, the school went out of business. Um, and it began this path that was just this crazy turn of events that ultimately took me away from that path where I thought I spent 20 plus years in, in corporate sales and sales management. Um, and then through another series of events, which we may get into, I got back into coaching um, and really started a few years ago, um, about eight years ago, stepped away um, and really focus more on the mental skills. So today, uh, to bring you full up to speed and, and jump through a lot of that uh, other stuff that we may or may not get into, uh, today I'm the owner of Championship Mindset. 
Um, and as the owner of Championship Mindset, I really focus on two areas. I focus on the mental skills and working with teams, and we do that through uh, curriculum with advanced sports technology, which is the seven fundamentals of mental fitness, really working with coaches, teams, and players on the mental side of the sport. In addition to that, I'm also a member of the John Gordon speaking team, and so I'm doing workshops all over the country uh, on the power of positive leadership and the power of a positive team. That's where I've uh, been spending most of the time this August. Um, I have another workshop this afternoon. I've, I'll have spoken 22 times in August alone, just all over the country, primarily in the word of, world of athletics. Um, and then to finish that off, in addition to that, uh, I am a host of a podcast called the Championship Mindset Podcast, which uh, your episode will be uh, coming out in the next couple of weeks. So I'm excited for that as well. And then uh, I am an author of a book called The Rock Tumbler as well. So lots of different things going on. It keeps me very busy, but I just love being able to pour into coaches, athletes, teams, just on both the mental side and on leadership. So that's a quick, uh, quick overview. Well, you know, Chad, when we're recording this, where I'm at in North Carolina, public schools, and I would virtual, I would venture to say all schools at this point in North Carolina are starting back. Public schools start back today, and most other schools have started back private as well. So some of the things that you're talking about, the mental skills, not only can apply to coaches, I believe, but also educators that are working with their students because they're creating that team atmosphere in a class. And by virtue of that, I guess parents as well, because they're, you know, they're creating as well. So tell, tell me some of what you saw as a, as a problem with, you know, you mentioned to me before that one of the problems you saw with coaches is they lack the mental skills. So if they do lack it, then I know teachers are lacking it, and I know parents are lacking it as well. So tell me what you mean by they're lacking those mental skills, because immediately somebody may be thinking, are you calling this stupid? You're kind of, we're, not, we're not stupid. So what do you mean by that? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And I think to start with that, I just think about where we spend most of our time in educating people like coaches and teachers. And a lot of what we're talking about, their inability to lead well when leadership or mental skills, it's not even really their fault. A lot of it's like when you think about it from a coach's standpoint, most of the time that we do in coaches education is on the technical, tactical, physical part of the game. For teachers, we spend so much of the time about you know how you teach them math or science or whatever it might be, the technical, tactical part of their job. Well, as we know, when you're talking about whether it's in the classroom or whether it's on the playing athletic field, so much about being a great teacher, so much about being a great coach has nothing to do with those individual skills. It's about how you connect with people. Yeah. It's about building relationships. It's about seeing more in them than they see in themselves, which was my definition of a mentor. And I think if we get those things wrong, right, I think everything else sets up. And I'm not saying that the technical tactical part of that is not important. It surely is. I'm just saying if we get the relationship part first, right, if we get you know, understanding and seeing the person behind the student or the person behind the athlete, it's going to mean that all those mental, all those physical, technical, tactical things are going to actually take hold better because we're building better relationships. And I think that's really the key in what we're talking about is giving them better school skills in order to connect with the people that they're either teaching or that they're coaching. 
why do you think a lot of uh, coaches, educators, you know, any of the, why do you think they struggle so much with developing this kind of relationship skills? We could, we could just call it that. Why do you think that? Well, I, a lot of it is if you look at the athletic field, um, things have changed. Obviously, I mean, did you guys go through this COVID thing recently? Did Did you experience that? I heard about it. Yeah, you heard I, about I that. I heard there was something yeah. like that happened recently. So. Yeah. So, I mean, in COVID, you know, it wasn't the problem. It actually helped reveal some more of the problem behind the scenes. And so when we look at coaches, especially some of the older coaches, it was more of this idea of tough love. That's how they were coached. Mm -hmm. That's how they were raised. That's how they were taught. And that doesn't work today. The students, the athletes of today, they all want to know that they're loved first and foremost, and then you have to earn the right to be tough on them. So to me, where that really misses is that we get this backwards sometimes. We think that we're teaching them a math you know, class or a science class, or we're teaching them the sport. And in reality, the class that you have in the classroom, whatever subject you're teaching, whatever sport you're coaching, to me, that's the window of opportunity to connect with them on such a bigger level. And really, it's those skills that we teach them in the classroom or on the field that set them up for, that are transferable to all other areas of their life going forward. So I think we just, we've gotten it backwards. Hey, I like what you're saying though, that, that, you know, we can use the field. We, we, I just talked about this recently with another guest that we can use sports really as uh, kind of a uh, microcosm of, of how we actually can work with young people um, that everything seems to be intensified uh, in a sports setting. So it's, it's a good metaphor because what I don't want is I don't want folks to all of a sudden think, Oh, they're just going to talk about athletes the whole time. This, these concepts of, of building relationships and stuff, it, it transcends sports. It transcends educators. It's, it's a significant part. It, it doesn't make a difference what you're doing. You could be a a, a scout leader um, and, and still need these things. So, well, like, and I'll, I'll I would just say this. I think that for me, when I look at, do I want to help athletic teams perform better and win more? Absolutely. Do mm -hmm. I want to help, you know, students be better in the classroom, get better grades, go on and do well in college? Absolutely. But I'm more interested in the type of people that we're creating through those experiences rather than just helping them excel in that area. And to me, that's the transferable skill that makes better people and better people make a better world. Why do you think this is such a tough concept for some people to that are working with youth to grasp? Uh, and and again, I, I, I think the sports always tends to, you know, give us the best examples. I think back to some of the reasons why I got into coaching uh, baseball early is because I saw too many of the coaches working with youth, focusing on, you know, those technical, those tactical things and had no people skills whatsoever, no building relationships whatsoever. Why is it so tough for us to understand it's, it? That's backwards. Well, I think there's two things there. The first thing is that when you look at people who get into coaching, right, they typically get into it because mm -hmm. they were probably very good in their sport. Mm -hmm. They played at a high level. They love the game. They want to stay connected to the game and they want to give back. That's the starting point, right? But we have to build something deeper than that and understand that the way that you give back is by connecting and building those relationships. The other part of that is that and I love John Gordon's analogy here when we talk about the power of positive leadership. And this is this concept of a tree, 
right? Think about roots versus fruits, okay? So in the world of athletics, the fruit-based things that people focus on are playing time, wins, their standings, their records, championships, yeah. all of the things. The root are the fruit-based things in the classroom would be grades, your GPA, are you, you know, are you a valedictorian? What are the what college are you getting? Those are all fruit-based things. Well, in today's world, our athletes and our students are very, very fruit-based heavy. And so because of that, so are our teachers, so are our coaches. So the idea is, is that if you focus, think about this analogy, if you focus heavily on the fruit, what happens to the tree? Yeah. It dies. It dies. It dies. Now, the problem is, is that we have to invest heavily in the root because investing heavily in the root means that we're going to have healthy trees. Healthy trees produce great fruit. So does the fruit matter? Absolutely. We want to win. We want to excel. We want to be good in the classroom, all of those things. But we believe that the reason that the way to have great fruit is to invest heavily in the root. This is where the disconnect happens a lot of times. One of the biggest challenges for teachers and for coaches is that we're asking them to invest heavily in the root when they may never and probably will never see the full benefit of the fruit of that investment. That's hard to show up every day to deal with the challenges that no doubt we have today and invest in the root for our students and for our athletes and do it when you may never see that fruit. Um, I'll give you an example. Joe Ehrman wrote a great book called Inside Out Coaching. And he's got an amazing backstory. Highly recommend this book for any coaches. Um, he was a survivor of sexual abuse when he was younger, uh, went on to play, I think it was eight or 10 years in the NFL and got into coaching. Um, and then he believes about coaching from the inside out. And here's why I share his story um, is he says that when people ask him at the beginning of the year, what kind of season are we gonna have this year? How successful are we gonna be? His answer, I'll tell you in 30 years. That's the idea. That's how long it takes sometimes for that fruit. And so we may never, and we get glimpses as coaches and teachers. You get, you know, kids come back from time to time and check in and say hi, you know, in classroom visit or on the field, or you may get invitations to weddings and things like that. But for the most part, we never get to fully see the person that that person became mm. through your interaction in your classroom or on your team. That's the biggest challenge. You didn't know this about me, but my background is, is I was one of my minors and I spent a lot of time in as a, working in the world of horticulture. So when you're talking about fruits and roots and stuff, I mean, I, I understand that. And one of the things I thought of, which we could build upon this analogy, is that most folks try to plant, they go and they buy plants. They want to plant them in spring. Now, I want to plant them in the spring. But from a, from a really technical, the best time to plant during the year is going to be in the fall. It's going to be sometime around October, November, maybe even December if you're in the South. Because that gives those roots all winter long to, they're not going to do a lot of growing, but they're going to start to establish themselves. So that when spring kicks in and the heat warms up and things start to bloom and things start to grow, the roots have already got a little bit of jump on it so it can deal with the top. And one of the other things that 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 I have always done when it comes to horticulture and people think, oh, you are really killing plants. And then they'll see the results later is I prune the snot out of a plant <laughs> when I plant it. I will just it looks like I've killed the sucker. 
I'll just, and they're like, oh, you're doing a horrible job. And I'm like, you, you know, this is what I've done for, you know, m most of my life. Please just let me have my due here. And then they'll see the results later when it pops back out. If I've given careful enough attention to the root growth. So you're right on target with the fact that you got to concentrate not on the fruit, but really on the roots that you've got to deal with this, whether you're a parent, you got to deal with that foundation. And there's so many ways that we can go on this that I really love. Um, well, and, and also you, you have to be willing to plant things and to water things that you may never see grow. Yeah. Right. And yeah. that's the challenge we want to see in this microwave society that we live in right now. We want immediate results. We want to plant it and come out the next day and see this amazing tree. It doesn't happen that way. Right. It evolves over time. It's that constant growth, that constant attention that makes that difference. So, well, yeah, you know, when we sold saying. stuff to when we sold stuff to uh, under nursery for a while, when we sold stuff to garden centers, the best time for us to sell, obviously, was March and April, maybe early February, uh, late February, if it was, you know, we lived in the South, so it was, you could warm up then. That was the best time to sell because people wanted to see something beautiful in their yard immediately. But the best time to plant, again, was three months earlier. It was before that winter kicked in so that they had time to do it. The best time, November should have been our best month for selling stuff. But it was not. It was always March or April. Um, and then you get folks calling in June to these places to say, my stuff died. And I'm like, well, no wonder your stuff died. The, uh, the roots weren't established. And we had a drought for three, you know, for four weeks. And it got hot or something. You know. Or it went opposite. You had too much rain. You, it, and the roots weren't established to handle that. So you're right. It's 100% right. You you got to focus on working those those non- uh, th those things that don't have those rewards that, that you got to build upon that going forward. So, uh, Chad, I love I love where that goes on that, and and I think no matter who is working with these parents or anybody, they're going to see some some value in, in what that is there. You still have problems with folks buying into that though. They still are like, yeah, I, I'd rather do the root stuff. Yeah, because I mean, there's so much emphasis on the fruit, and 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 believe mm -hmm. me, when we talk about this, we're not by any means minimizing the fruit mattering, right? The fruit matters. We need to see good test scores. We need to see good performance. We need to see that growth. All we're saying is, is where do you need to put your emphasis? Where do you put your time to create that good fruit? And this this is the difficulty. We get pushback because it runs contrary. Right. We want mm -hmm. to see the fruit. We want to see the immediate results. Um, and this is a great thing to share back with your students or with your athletes that you're coaching to kind of share this with them. And, and one of the activities that we do is we actually take a tree and we ask them to label all the fruit. What are all the fruit things? Well, I want to see, you know, championships. I want to see, mm -hmm. you know, being a starter. I want to, you know, see great GPAs. I want to be able to get into a great college, all of those things. And we like encourage that. And then what we do is we create the, okay, well, what are the things you need to focus on? What are the root-based things that's going to create that healthy tree? And now we start driving into like relationships and being disciplined and all of the things that we need to do. And when you put that together, and this some of the stuff that I love the most about John's work is that it's the simplicity of it, right? You can understand the concepts of root and fruit and a healthy tree, and where we need to focus our time. So I, that's why I love it so much, just the simplicity of it. So uh, we, somebody's listening to us and 
they may have been a little bit skeptical, but now we've given them a visual and they're starting to grasp this and they're saying, okay, I, I, I need to be concentrate more on roots. And they come to you and they say, Chad, help me out. What, where do I start? What's step one for me? And I know what we're asking for is an oversimplification of a, of a very big process, but what would be a first step for someone who is saying, hey, I've been concentrating too much on the fruit. I need to go to the root system. What do I start? How do I, can, how do I begin? Yeah, the first one would be just to do a simple little audit. And one of the things that we like to ask them is current reality. What percentage of your time do you spend on fruit-based things? And what percentage of your time do you spend on root-based things, right? Because so often we just, we get so focused on what we're doing. We just go through the motions. We're kind of like an unconscious competent of doing the things we need to do. But when we sit down and kind of do like a time audit, we start to see like, man, I'm really heavily invested in the fruit. So at first is the self-awareness. Where do you spend most of your time? And then how are we going to change that? Where are ways that we can invest more in the root to get the fruit that we're wanting? So first of all, you got to be more aware of where you're spending your time and your energy on and then begin to identify ways that you can shift that more to the other side. All right, now what do I do? I'm, I'm, I'm taking notes here, so I want to know. I got yeah. number one down. What's number two? Yeah. yeah, so the second thing that you do is, I mean, this goes right into the next thing that we talk about in the power of positive leadership is this idea of, you know, now that we've defined what we want to do, it's this idea of a telescope and a microscope. So the vision is the telescope. It's that, you know, overarching like North star of where you want to go. But if you, you know, vision, great quote by Magic Johnson, right? He said, vision without action is just a dream. Then he said, actions without vision is a nightmare. And that's what happens so often. We get this disconnect. So it's for me, it's what I call high performance thinking. Okay. It's a triangle. Um, it's why my logo championship mindset is set up as a triangle. So on the top of the triangle is the, what you want to accomplish. That's the vision, whatever that might be. So you want to invest more in the root. Okay, great. The bottom right of the triangle is the what the actions, the behaviors that's going to get me towards that vision. So telescope is the vision microscope is the daily things what are the daily things that we need to focus on on a regular basis to bring that vision to a reality okay and then that leads us to the bottom left of the triangle which is the why the purpose behind you why you created that vision in the first place see when we create all three of those things the what we want to accomplish, the how we're going to do it, and the why we want to do it, now it becomes a superpower. Now we're driving through. We're going to get through some of the challenges that we're going to face. So yes, that next step is creating a clear vision of what you want to accomplish, identifying the ways that you're going to accomplish it, and then clearly identifying why that matters. Why does that vision important? Why do you want to invest more in the root? Um, that would be that combination. Can I put you on the spot and ask you to give me some examples of how you work with people in this and have seen them use this and it's changed them from being a fruit-based to root-based? Because um, the reason I ask that is I, I feel like often we hear these great podcasts where we throw out these very great concepts and we, and we listen to them and we're all fired up and then we're like, but does that even work? Or is that person just trying to sell me something? So, you know, what, what is someone, you know, give me some examples here. I put folks on the spot, not set them up, but there you go. 
Yeah. Um, what I, one of the ones I would give you, um, I had an opportunity to work with Patrick Gilliam. He's the uh, he's now the head coach at Wheaton uh, for women's soccer. Um, before that, he was at Trinity International University for 23, 24 years. Uh, my daughter's had an opportunity to play for him there. And so I've gotten a chance mm. to work with his teams. I'm working with his team at Wheaton next year. I've worked with his teams for, I think, eight years now in a row throughout this time at both Trinity and at Wheaton. And I love what Patrick says about this is that he says that the college athletic experience when done right is a four year experience with a lifetime impact. Okay. So that's, that's the idea that our interaction, he gets these athletes for four or five years and, but it's supposed to be a lifetime impact. So what is he doing? That's what, that's his vision. That's what drives him to do the things mm. he does. Okay. So that's always, and the purpose behind it is, is also connected to that because it's who he wants to be. It's how he sees the people that come to his program. And he's looking at that result down the line. What type of mothers are there going to be? What type of spouses are they going to be? Right. And so because of that, it drives him. His actions and behaviors means that he's not just going to focus on the wins and the losses. He's going to focus on how we bounce back from challenges, how his athletes deal with injuries. Um, what do we do when we go through tough losses? Um, because those are the things that matter going forward. Um, and those are the things that's going to help them set up to be successful. So I think Patrick's a great example of someone who now, has he had success? Yes. If you look at NAIA, um, before he left over to Wheaton at the D3 level, oh, wow. he was, I think, number three on the all-time wins list at the NAIA level over 25 years, um, you know, over 300 wins. So he's won, but he's also done it in a way that's focused on, um, and he's built a great alumni, people who are connected to him that are still coming back and, and supporting the programs that he's been part of. So I think that's a great example that we can, we can go after the wins we can and we should go after those fruit based things we should value those things but we the way we do it matters so I, hopefully that's is that helpful for you that is very helpful and, and immediately what i was thinking about that and you were talking about your daughter and stuff i say how do you so how do you uh use this triangle as a parent yeah yeah it's a, it's a great question and i think that's so here's the thing so often we get focused on the what we have to do or the how the heck are we going to get it all done? Because if you hadn't noticed, there's a lot of people that are busy in the world today, right? Yeah. And we get so focused on the what we have to do or the how the heck we're going to get it all done. And when that happens, we need to connect not on those things. We need to focus back on the why. The why we need to do those things. Because as John says, and I love this, when you know your why, you will know the way. And he also says that you won't let other things get in the way. So having that clear vision drives you forward. So I'll give you an example when it comes to parents and children. I think we need to change the language, okay? We always talk about raising children, okay? We don't need to be raising children. We got enough adults acting like children in the world right now, right? Instead of raising children, we really need to be growing adults. That's the yep, idea. That's what Andy that's, Andrews said. They are, yes, Andy Andrews says that. That's the vision. We need to be growing productive adults that are going to be great in society, that are going to be good in relationships, to be great husbands, fathers, mothers, workers, all of those things. That's the vision. Okay. Now, when we think that's the vision of growing productive adults, it changes the actions 
on what we're focused on, on the things that we're driving in. So now all of a sudden that moment in there, uh, I'll give you an example. And this is coming up. I, I did a great podcast interview uh, with Max Rook. He's the associate head coach um, at Pepperdine for women's soccer. He also just wrote a book called Max Moments. And when I was talking to him, he used the idea of um, this. Remember when you're old, uh, younger and, and growing up, they had these pages that just had dots all over it, right? And they yeah. had numbers. And then, and it looked like nothing. And it wasn't until you started drawing and connecting the dots, one to two, two to three, three to four, all of a sudden the picture started coming into focus. And that's the issue. So often we get focused on just the dots. We get focused on what's going on in our world in this moment right now. And we don't see the bigger picture. And so I think as parents, as coaches, as mentors, right? No doubt our athletes and our students they're looking at the dot. All they see is the dot. We need to be able to be add better perspective with our experience and our background to be help them see the larger picture as we're connecting the dots. To me, that's the thing that we need to do a better job as coaches, as teachers, as mentors, because no doubt we're going to face challenges. We're going to have setbacks um, and we need to help them not keep them from failing, but help them move through when they do fail or do have setbacks. That, that is so crucial. And I, I love that visual of connect the dots. Uh, for those of us who, who can remember that, uh, I, I love that visual. And, and another one that I thought about that was on the same kind of thing was those uh, pictures that you got in it would have different numbers in different uh, boxes and you would color them, color ones blue, yes. color two green, and you wouldn't know what it was going to be until you, colored them all the right way. And then all of a sudden you had a beautiful picture and, and, and looking at it, it would be like, I don't understand what this is. And now, Oh, that's great. So it is uh, looking through that telescope versus focusing on that microscope. You need to focus on the microscope when you're connecting or coloring, but you can't see it until I love that. Well, and, and James, I'll give you a great example. Uh, it's one of my favorite stories to tell. Um, so years ago, my daughter, my younger daughter, she's a senior in college now. She was playing uh, on her high school team, high school soccer team in Southern California. Uh, and she was a sophomore and she was starting at her preferred position of outside defender. And this is a team that had just won the championship the year before. And, you know, my daughter Morgan was playing outside back. And early on in the season, the coach made a decision that she wanted to move her from outside back to center back. And this was a position that Morgan had never played before. And Morgan was quite honest with us, like, Dad, I don't want to play center back. I want to play outside back. So sure enough, down uh, second game of the season, we're on the road down in Coronado. And Morgan is playing center back and she's matched mm -hmm. up against a girl that is just bigger, stronger, faster. She was a senior. She's a better player. And early on in the game, the girl gets the ball about midfield, touches the ball into space, blows right by my daughter in the box, shoots and scores a goal. About 15 minutes later, the same girl gets the ball about the top of the box, a little step over, fancy turn, practically breaks Morgan's ankles right there on the field. I mean, like literally leaves her in a heap in the field. Um, in the box shoots and scores again. And as a parent, you're going, oh my goodness, right? This is terrible, that kind of thing. So the game ends. And after the game, the coach comes up to me afterwards and said, hey, Chad, um, Morgan's not feeling very well. Her stomach's bothering her. She doesn't want to ride home on the bus. Will you take her home? 
And I said, sure, we'll take her home, no problem. Now, James, I don't know about you, but I know how my kid feels about the way they played the game just by the way they walk to their car, right? So yeah. she goes over, grabs her backpack, backpack on. She's got this pissed off look on her face, just march into the car. We get to the car. She flings open the trunk, backpack in the trunk, slams the door, right? Gets in the back seat and just does one of these just upset look and because none of the people who are listening to this you know athletes act like that i mean shoot some of the coaches and parents that are on this call probably act like this sometimes right and so we get in the car and i think a little differently and i look at morgan and i turn to her and i said what a great game no i know i seriously said that to her and she's like dad are you serious? Did you even watch that game? I was terrible out there. I told you I can't play center back. Why won't coach let me out play outside back? And, and she's like a fish hitting the lure. And this is off she went, right? And I just let her go until she took a breath. And I said, yeah, Morgan, and look how much better you got today. Look how much you improved today. Yeah, that girl was ridiculously good. And she was really quick and had great moves. Um, but you actually learned in that game that you needed to give her lots of space or no space whatsoever. And you actually took the ball away from her several times throughout the game today. But you're so focused on those couple of moments where she was better, she beat you, you failed, that you've literally physically made yourself sick. And about this time, she was probably like, Dad, um, I'm feeling better. Where's the bus? Right. Um, and oh, by the way, Morgan, uh, you didn't even lose the game. Your team tied 3-3. See, this is what we're talking about, James. I think that we as coaches, as mentors, as leaders, we need to do a better job of helping people ourselves and the people that we lead understand the difference between things that are truly life-threatening and things that mm. are just ego-threatening, right? That moment on the field for my daughter, huge threat to her ego, not so life-threatening. Right. We need to do a better job of helping them connect the dots, helping them see beyond that. And, and here's why I share that story. Right. So fast forward a couple of years. Now she's a freshman in college. She's playing at Trinity, playing for Coach Patrick. And she is starting as a freshman on her college team at outside back, her favorite position. And she started every single game that year and actually played more minutes than everybody but the goalkeeper did. And about halfway through the season, their all conference center back tears her ACL. Ooh. Morgan gets a coat, gets a call from the coach the next morning. Hey, Morgan, we're thinking about moving you to center back. I get a phone call. Dad, they're going to move me to center back, but that's okay. I got this. I know what to do and I know how to handle it. She played the rest of the year at center back for them. See, that's the idea is that we're all going to face setbacks, all going to face challenges in those individual moments. But it's about what those moments are teaching us, what we're learning from those mm -hmm. moments that set us up. Our biggest setbacks can be our biggest breakthroughs. And that's the idea that we need to do better job of helping them see the person, as John talks about, that failure isn't fatal. It's not final. It's not meant to define you. It's meant to refine you. It's helping shape you to the person and the player, the, the student that you're meant to become. So I love sharing that story because it's an example of in that moment, it's hard for us. We have to, we want to talk about what they did wrong. Or we want to talk about these things. And notice when I share that story, I didn't just tell her that she was amazing. I didn't say, oh, Morgan, you did a great job today. You were amazing when she clearly wasn't. She failed. She got beat. She was seen through that too. Yes, right? Exactly. And we see a lot of that toxic positivity, just like you're amazing. No, we have to love them enough to say, hey, you weren't as good as you needed to be, but you are going to get better and you're going to continue to improve. I was writing down that again, toxic positivity. I, I love that phrase. 
Uh, yeah. Some folks, well, that's a whole nother podcast about some people being too overly so, uh, yeah. positive on things when people need uh, a loving reality check, uh, which is what you gave her. Uh, and, and you talked about the things that, that she did to improve and, and helped her see it in a bigger picture, see the whole picture instead of just that focus. What a, what a great concept. What a, what a great way are we able to do this stuff. So how can our audience uh, connect with you if they want to learn more about what you do, what you're offering, and really dive into to getting some of the content back? Yeah, so you have the website up there, championshipmindset.net. That's a great place to start um, as, you know, it does have stuff on the mental toughness. It does have stuff on the John Gordon team, um, the Rock Tumble, the podcast. Um, I'm actually making some updates to the pot, to the website right now because it's not completely up to date. It's been a busy uh, couple of months for me speaking, but uh, starting hey, to- Hey, we're to doing do... the same thing and I'm yeah. behind on some of the stuff as well. So, yeah. I'm with you. so they can do that. They can also reach me by email, chad at championshipmindset.net. Love to interact with them, talk about ways that we can help support them, whether that's doing things virtually um, via Zoom. Uh, it's a great opportunity. I'm doing a lot more of that right now um, or doing things uh, in person. We're you know, getting back to doing more and more of that uh, as well. So great ways to connect um, to, to help out your listeners for sure. And audience, if you are interested in finding out that information, all the con uh, contact information, his website, his email, and any social media links that we have, you'll find those in the show notes. So if you're watching on YouTube, just look down. If you're listening, go to your podcast app, your favorite podcast app, click on the notes, and you'll find the information there. Chad, thank you again uh, for, for being with us. Uh, thank you for sharing this. Uh, I love it when I, I'm on my third page of notes that I'm taking during a podcast because I, I learned so much during this. And, and honestly, it, it's kind of redefining. I'm teaching a parenting class at my church. And one of the lessons I got coming up, I was, I was focusing on foundation things. And I, I think I'm going to go back to, to my roots and talk about fruits and roots as well for my horticulture. So thank you for giving me that uh, insight as well. Uh, so I, I really appreciate your time today. So thank you. James, I've, I've loved the conversation. I love what you're doing to uh, to help youth and help parents. Um, you know, it's about giving them better skills, better game plans to help them lead in a different way. And um, we need more people encouraging our youth today. It is tough to be a kid today. It's tough to be a student athlete. Um, there's a lot of challenges and there's a lot of people that are giving them the contrary ideas. And we see that through, you know, social media and the media. Um, so we need to do a better job of instilling hope and, and these you know, qualities and characteristics to create a better, brighter future, which I believe in because, you know, my generation, your generation, we kind of messed it up. So hopefully we can get back to uh, bringing that hope to a, a younger generation that will create a better, better fruit, if you will, right? Invest in the root so that we can get a better fruit uh, and see uh, a better society because I believe it's possible. Um, but it's not going to be easy. And, you know, we're not, as, as John says, we're not positive because life is easy. We're positive because life is really difficult. It's really challenging. Um, so we, we want to choose that positive side of it for sure. Well, thank you again for time. And, and thank you, audience. If you've stuck with us for this long, you've found value in what you're listening to or watching. And therefore, you know someone who needs this message as well that would benefit from hearing this or viewing this. So please like, share, and comment on this podcast. 
so that we can reach a bigger audience. Share it with your friends. Share it with your uh, peers so that the, this message can get out. And thank you again for joining us, and we'll see you again next week on the Generation Youth Podcast. And there you have it, another impactful episode of the Generation Youth Podcast. To all of our listeners out there, remember to hit that subscribe button on your preferred podcast platform so you can never miss an episode. Want to be a part of the Generation Youth community? Follow us on all of our social media platforms. We'll keep you connected with all of our upcoming episodes and inspiring initiatives. You're not just a listener here. You're a catalyst for change. Together, we're building a future filled with promise, potential, and endless possibilities. This journey is just starting, so keep tuning in, keep growing, and let's continue uplifting our youth one episode at a time. Thank you for joining us today, and until next time, let's keep sparking inspiration and igniting the future.